Hey, Snohomish County. Hey, we're back with the podcast. I got a really, I think, interesting guest today that I think the community is going to get a lot of value out of. Uh, we are here to talk about everything drug-related in Snohomish County. Um, we've got a lot of information to get out to the community. And the reason we did this today, or I wanted to do this today, it is in the top three of questions I get when I'm out in the community. So I have some connections in this area since I became sheriff, and that's where uh, Commander Jay Baines comes in. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Adam. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So I came into office in 2020. Um, we worked through some changes, a couple tough years, and uh, this your position came open in tw 2021. Yes, sir. Um, so um, you retired from the Everett Police Department after 31 years of service, which is fantastic, and decided you want to kind of finish your career at the, the Snohomish Regional Drug Task Force. We just debated what that, <laughs> that acronym standing for, but the Drug Task Force. And we're just here to talk about it a little bit today, talk about a little bit about your history. Um, I think uh, in, in getting to know you fairly well over the last year, year and a half, I don't think a lot of our community even knows what goes on out there. Um, we're going to talk about uh, fentanyl. I'll get a lot of qu questions about fentanyl, and we're going to talk about all that today. So I hope you'll stick around for this. But Jay, let's start with you. A little bit about yourself. So you've been the task force commander since uh, the middle of 2021. Um, you took it over from there. You kind of hit the ground running. You had some time there anyway as a sergeant with the Everett Police Department. But kind of tell us a little bit about your history. Sure. Uh, yeah, Adam hired me in uh, June of uh, 2021, took over the drug task force as the commander. Uh, I had spent 15 years there uh, prior to that as a sergeant with the Everett Police Department. Uh, and then, like Adam said, 31 years with Everett uh, total, uh, retired and uh, took that job over. Um, so yeah, I've been there ever since. I'm really, I really like like people's personal stories and stuff. We won't get too personal. Don't worry. Um, but there's a unique, uh, part of your history that I'm interested in. I'm former Navy. I did my time in the Navy. You came from the military, but what, what's unique about your military experience? Yeah. So, uh, I kind of grew up in, uh, Missoula, Montana, uh, working at a plywood mill and decided to join the United States Marine Corps. Uh, got into the Marine Corps, I went in as a military policeman, uh, did fairly well at the MP school, and got selected for uh, Marine One, presidential security, had security for Marine One during a couple presidencies uh, during Carter and Reagan. Um, spent my four years there, uh, got out, went back home to Missoula, um, took my job back out the mill, was married at the time, had a couple kids. Um, Decided that, you know, I just was going to really look at law enforcement as a career. Um, I was kind of just bouncing around. But then I ended up going back into the Air Force as an air traffic controller. Uh, spent a couple years active duty as, a, as the air, in the Air Force. And then uh, started doing my one weekend out of the month at, uh, in Spokane at uh, Fairchild Air Force Base. Uh, eventually got hired in 1990 uh, with Everett. And uh, this has been my home ever since. Awesome. Well, thank you for all your years of service, both military and with the Everett Police Department. And now it's continuing on in Snohomish County with the Drug Task Force. So that's awesome. And yeah, thank, thank you. you. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about the task force. Like I said, I think a lot of our community probably doesn't even know that it exists. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of it we're not going to talk about just because of the fact of the work you do. Um, but I want them to know kind of what the makeup is, you know, who supports it, who sends detectives to you, and how, to, how does that type of – what's the framework of the task sure. force? Yeah, so uh, like you said, I'm the commander of the unit. Uh, I have a lieutenant that's from the sheriff's office. 
Uh, I have three sergeants, one from Linwood, one from Everett, and one from the sheriff's office. And then we have about five detectives from the sheriff's office, five detectives from Everett. We make up the majority, the, the sheriff's office and, and the city of Everett make up the majority of the task force. But then we pull from smaller agencies. We have uh, WSP uh, detective there. Uh, we have a DOC guy there. Um, we have uh, ATF, we have DEA, uh, we're, so we're supported by the federal government part of it. Um, and uh, we will pull from Marysville, we'll pull from Arlington, wherever uh, we can get a body. And right now, as you know, uh, having uh, personnel on the street is tough. So uh, getting people in my unit is, is not a huge priority right now, but we're gonna continue to work on that and pull from other smaller agencies. Yeah, so staffing law enforcement wide in, the, yeah. in this entire state, not just this county, is yeah. extremely difficult. But when we talked, when we were going through the hiring process, um, I, I think we both agreed that how critical it was to keeping the task force up and running. Because there has been, been talk about people pulling detectives, and mm -hmm. a couple have been pulled. Yes, but we are still, correct me if I'm wrong, but the largest task drug task force in the state of Washington? We are. Yeah, we're the largest largest drug task force in the state of Washington. Fantastic. Yeah. And then we don't, we even have, uh, is there uh, someone from the post office? That yeah, is we part just, of that? yeah, we just got uh, United States, United States postal service agent in our unit, which has been a huge asset for us. A lot of the narcotics are moving through the mail. Okay. And so I want to talk a little bit about um, what you guys do, because I don't, like I said, I don't think a lot of people know. And like when I grew up on, in the, at the sheriff's office, working the streets, we do street level stuff all the time. Mm -hmm. We come across drugs. Most of it is what I just, when you're talking big picture, I would, I would call that small quantities and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's not what you guys do though. You guys, uh, you guys are in a whole, I don't know how to do a whole different level than that. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I would say that for sure. I mean, we start with, oftentimes with a smaller level drug dealer and then we work our way up. Um, we're fed, we're funded by the federal government. So we're mandated through our drug task force to, to focus on mid to upper level drug dealers. Um, and mainly cartel people run across our radar a lot. Um, so we look, we work our way up the chain and we try to get to the, to the higher levels, people that are dealing in multiple ounces, pounds, kilos, that sort of thing, usually coming straight from, from the border, from Mexico. So a couple things, uh, I would, so your long-term investigations is what you guys do. They could go on for even over a year. Yeah. We've had cases that run out four or five years sometimes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, let's talk about, uh, one of the unique things that I think you guys do. We talked just briefly before we went on air here. Um, do you guys ever get involved with, uh, um, homicide investigations, anything like that? We do. Um, we 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 kind of pick and choose which ones we do. Uh, as uh, possession of controlled substance homicide investigations, uh, we'll usually um, depending on. We'll take a good look at the cases. If it involves a juvenile, we'll certainly look at those really hard, and we'll usually do that investigation working backwards. So we'll have a homicide uh, with a controlled substance, and we'll work that case. Uh, backwards and try to find where the source of that pill or that heroin or that illicit drug came from. I think it's important for the community to know that. So it's not something that you guys are doing every day. You're not a homicide unit or anything like that. But if drugs are involved in it, or I should say the cause of death mm -hmm. of someone in our community, that's something that you have the uh, detectives available to look into that. Is absolutely. That yeah, absolutely. We've had some success with that. We've prosecuted two of them. And, um, and we're currently doing another investigation right now as we speak. 
So the other thing that you mentioned that caught my attention mm -hmm. is you mentioned the word cartel. Mm -hmm. And I, from community members out there, they're probably thinking there's no cartels in Snohomish mm -hmm. County. They don't go through here, right? Things like that. Um, that's not the world that, that you know from your experience, though. Can From what you are able to talk about, talk about cartel activity within Snohomish County. Yeah, you bet. Um, you know, most all of our investigations, I would say probably 80% of a 80% of them lead to the cartel. Uh, it's no secret that most of the drugs come across the border from Mexico, mm -hmm. and uh, there is a huge contingent of cartel in Sohomish County, in Washington, and frankly throughout the United States. Uh, and our investigations oftentimes uh, leads us to the, to those folks. So do that. Uh, so we're talking, you know, Snohomish County specific, mm -hmm. but you guys branch way further out than that, right? Your investigations can almost literally take you anywhere. Is that yeah, fair? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything that's got a nexus to Snohomish County, we'll investigate that drug, uh, that investigation, will that drug investigation, and if it leads us to California, Arizona. Georgia, we'll follow it up and we'll stay, we'll stay with it. And that's frankly why we, we partner with our DEA and FBI agents, because they give us that federal uh, latitude to go into other states and uh, do our investigations. All right, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. Uh, another uh, very question I get often out in the community, or we hear on the news almost on a nightly basis anymore, the word fentanyl. Mm -hmm. What What is it? How is it used? Is it prevalent in Snohomish County? Um, all So let's talk about fentanyl for just a couple minutes mm -hmm. so the community can have a better understanding of both what it is, how it's used, and the dangers about it. Sure. Uh, you know, back in... I guess uh, early 2000s, um, Oxycontin was, a, was a, kind of the drug of choice for, for kids, and uh, it was a prescription pill, and the, the pharmaceutical company uh, reformatted that so they, couldn't, they could no longer smoke it. Uh, and fentanyl, powdered fentanyl, pure fentanyl, uh, has taken over, and it comes from China, comes from India, and uh, usually the pills are made either in China or Mexico, and they're transported up here in a various, various ways. And now, uh, because you can smoke those pills or you can crush them up and snort them, it is really the drug of choice for uh, the, the addict who used to do heroin or, or was on Oxycontin. And so uh, now it is the drug of choice for most people. And it, it's uh, frank, frankly all over the world, not just in the United States, but it is prevalent throughout the world. Uh, so when people uh, use use the term or hear the term M30s, that's mm -hmm. what they're talking about? Yeah, so M30s, uh, they're, they're counterfeit M30s. Uh, they've been made in a clandestine lab, uh, and they've put fentanyl in there with other cutting agents. And just to give you an example, uh, two, two milligrams of fentanyl is a lethal dose. So they try to put... Um, you know, two, two milligrams of fentanyl in each pill. But because they make it up in a clandestine lab, there's no quality control over right. it. And, and I kind of use the analogy of, of making uh, a chocolate chip cookie. You know, ideally you'd want to put maybe seven chocolate chips in a cookie, but when you go and bake it, it comes out and you've got maybe 12, 13 chips in that cookie. It's the same thing with these pills. You never know what you're going to get. So the, the margin of error is, is so... Uh, extreme that you could get high or you could die. You don't know what you're going to get. And if you've got, you know, seven milligrams of, of fentanyl in one pill, that's a lethal dose. And that could kill pretty much anybody. So with your experience, would you say, 
I don't know if you're a juvenile or it doesn't matter if you're a juvenile or an adult and you're getting one of these peel, pills anywhere mm-hmm. from outside a prescription from a doctor, you're taking a chance. Is that Absol- fair to say? Absolutely. You know, and, and just to give you a, a visual on that, like um, um, one milligram is like a grain of salt. So wow. imagine, you know, that you're trying to mix that up in one, one pill. And the other thing that I think is important that uh, there's also counterfeit Adderall and counterfeit Xanax. Uh, and so, you know, it is not uncommon for high school or college students to take an Adderall. And maybe they got it from a friend. Uh, and, but if they don't know where that Adderall or Xanax is coming from, if they can't verify that it's from a prescription or from a pharmaceutical company and it's a counterfeit uh, Adderall, most of these pills, Adderall and Xanax that are counterfeit, have some amount of fentanyl in them. And so it's, I think it's really important for the public to know and for the, for the uh, young adults to know that if you're taking a counterfeit Xanax or Adderall out there to get you through a night of studying for your final exam, wow, yeah. that pill could kill you. And it's it's really that simple. And I never really, you know, I just never really thought about it before. Uh, but, you know, in the last five or six years, it's been coming to the forefront that this is a real issue. Oh, it's here. Yeah. It's, every day yeah. I'm getting these questions. Yeah. I mean, and like I said, we see it in the media and things like that. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about the M30s and the pills and things like that. Just out of curiosity, what's something like that? cost on the street right yeah it, it depends and it varies I'm yeah sure. it varies from region to region but uh, typically it's about seven bucks a pill in this area six to seven bucks okay yeah Are fairly you, inexpensive and i know fentanyl seems to be like the the forefront right now mm-hmm. um back in when when i was a patrol sergeant it was the opioid emetic which is all related yeah um, but heroin was the big thing yeah. is heroin still a thing out there yeah heroin's still it's still a big thing uh you know back in the day when we were working the road mm-hmm. adam uh you know met well it was crack cocaine at the time yeah. and and then it finally went to meth you know because cocaine was so expensive and then it went to meth but back in the day, uh, you didn't really hear a lot about heroin addicts. You know, they kind of kept to themselves. And it was just the explosion of the Oxycontin that really blew this, uh, blew this up. And now with the M30s, uh, it's, it's an epidemic. Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. an epidemic, and it's killing kids. You know, we had, since the first of the year, we've had 68 uh, overdose deaths in Sohomish County. 37 of those have been fentanyl-related. Goodness great. Yeah, yeah in three oh. and a half months. Okay. And, and on that note, um, you know, people are going to wonder, well, what are you, we're, we're law enforcement, we're public safety. What are you guys doing about mm-hmm. it? I just want to make sure the community understands that, that we've worked really hard to keep this task force together. Yeah. And I want to make it clear that um, this is not street level work. I've already said that once, but I want to repeat it. And that if you guys aren't here during the work that you're doing mm-hmm. and you recover a lot of drugs off the street of Snohomish County, we're not talking a hundred pills. We're talking a hundred thousand pills. That's the right. type of cases you do. Mm-hmm. But if you guys aren't doing your work, this work is not getting done. I, I can tell you that right now there's staffing crisis all over the state of Washington. And it's not like if you guys went away, we're going to just all of a sudden start up another unit. Mm-hmm. It just not, doesn't work that way with human right. beings. Right? So I, I just want to make sure that's clear with the community, the type of work you guys are doing. No one else is doing it. Yeah. We need you guys here. Yeah, absolutely. You know, in, in 1988, like I said, we established the, the Somish Regional Drug Task Force. And I know you and uh, Chief Templeman, uh, Chief Nelson from Linwood, very, very committed to this unit. And, uh, 
you know, like you said, if, if we weren't doing this, nobody else would be doing it. And I kind of equate it to kind of a bit of a football game and we're the referee, you know, we see a, we see a foul, you know, we throw a flag, right? And we're trying to keep a lid on it, but there is a lot of drugs out there and there's a lot of work to do. And, you know, uh, we're going to continue to do that and, and, and do really quality investigations for the community. Okay, so Jay, we've talked a little bit, a lot, a lot about uh, fentanyl pills and stuff like that. Something I think it's important for, uh, especially the, the parents at home, um, not just parents, but but uh, the entire community. What what are some indicators of drug use in kids that parents that just were just not familiar with this? Um, and what could they be on the lookout for? Sure, one of the common ways of using fentanyl pills is to smoke it and so the way they smoke it is they'll put it on a piece of tin foil you know about a six inch piece of tin foil and they'll put some sort of heat source on the bottom of it and they'll use either a glass or plastic tube and then they'll inhale it uh, through their mouth and uh, so parents should be looking for a roll of aluminum foil in their house burnt uh, aluminum foil it's got black marks on it uh, and obviously, you know, if they're doing heroin or something like that, syringes or something they want to look for, uh, that would obviously be pretty obvious for them. Um, but uh, that is, is for sure is what they should be looking for is aluminum foil. So if, say if there's a parent out there in our community and, and they might have some suspicion mm-hmm. and they find in their kid's backpack a, a both a, a maybe some, a new roll of foil and some old foil, if the foil has black marks on it, it's not from the barbecue. Are yeah. you safe and say? I mean, well, I remember when this first hit the street and foil just, it was all of a sudden everywhere. Yeah. It happened. It seemed like overnight. Yeah. But uh, it, would it be worth a follow-up question from parents if they find something like that? hundred no, okay. percent. No doubt. No doubt about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What are, we've talked a little bit about kids and how we can protect them and what to look for. What are some names that kids are using for this stuff? Yeah. They're usually uh, like when they're texting their friends or whatever, they'll say blues, uh, M's, 30s. Uh, those are the common names that they would be, uh, you know, asking for, for uh, prescription or for the M30s from uh, their okay. they're from their dealer. Is there any way to tell the difference between a a legitimate prescription pill from your doctor and the street stuff that we're talking about? No, they're they're pretty much identical. It's really tough to tell. All right. Yeah. So something important, and I, again, my goal is not to get political with this thing. Mm-hmm. I, I mentioned to you I want to kind of talk about the Blake decision, yeah. but I don't, I don't want to bash anybody. The legislature's working on it. I trust that they're going to take care of this thing in, in the near future. But what, <clears throat> what if the impacts, and the Blake decision, if the community doesn't know, is a Supreme Court decision in 2021, early on, that uh, uh, declared our drug laws basically unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. That's That's a very brief version of it. Uh, and we're working through that. The legislature corrected it to a, a certain extent, but I don't want to talk about that part of it. I want to talk about what from that decision and what we're trying to work out with the legislature, what have you seen at the, the real life impacts yeah. for people? Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times that I've spoke to addicts and heard it on the news, heard it on the radio that basically what it is, is three strikes and you're out. You can be in possession of controlled stuff, substance, three times before you have to face a criminal charge on that. And addicts will tell you, uh, recovered addicts will tell you that if that law was in effect when, when they were doing their drugs, that they would either be dead or they'd still be doing drugs because basically there's no penalty for them and they can do it three times before anybody charges them with anything. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a real shame. And um, 
I, th- I think uh, it's unbelievable that they can't get help when they need it. It is. And it's just something that, you know, we see the worst side of, of, of this. I think you yeah. do definitely. Yeah. Um, Patrol does a- as well. And it's not a it's not a we want to lock everybody up thing. It's truly not. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of know you on a personal level. And I think both of us, we just want to see people get get, cure, get cured from this if possible. And we were talking, sometimes that's a long process for people and mm-hmm. people relapse and that's okay. Yeah. But when you remove a component of, I would call it accountability, you're removing a chance for that human being to kind of change course. Yeah. Is that fair, you think? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, it takes about, on, on an average, nine times to go through rehab for an opiate addiction before you can become clean. And these addicts will tell you, if, if they were locked up and they had an opportunity to detox, you know, three or four times, that it would help them succeed and get clean. But now the fact that we don't even charge them. We, we, we contact somebody with controlled substance, we write a piece of paper, we let them go. Contact them again, write a piece of paper, let them go. This happens over and over again, and they don't have an opportunity to go and get locked up and get, de- you know, get clean. And uh, there's no incentive for them. And uh, it's, the law, I think, has really affected the human side of it more than anything. And it, it's not about us. It's not about uh, law enforcement wanting to lock somebody up. It's about helping them out there. It's not. I prefer people get the yeah, help. It's, I, don't, I truly don't care about the charge or anything mm-hmm. else. Uh, it's about, you know, getting people help in yeah. our community. Because we, like I said, we see the worst of this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people strung out. We call it on the nod, you know, mm-hmm. with, with heroin. Yeah. It's horrible to see that. And, and it's just when you remove that accountability component, it's just one more chance. It's just one yeah. more chance to get that person some help. Yeah. At least, in, in, and I know there's different varying uh, opinions out there. And they're all honorable and respect respectful, but um, it's just you remove that accountability component. It's just a chance for that person. I, yeah. That's the way I see it—an opportunity, a chance. But anyway, um, so thank you for being here today. But I want to end on kind of a fun note. I think mm-hmm. it's fun. So when I first met you, you were a dog handler with the Everett Police Department. Mm-hmm. I had just got into canine, so I kind of like looked up to you because you had been doing it quite a while. I was the brand new guy, and as everybody knows, there's a long learning curve to the <laughs> world of canine. Um, but so we bring that kind of similar history, if you will. Yeah. And then so I kind of changed positions in the last few years. Then I hire you as the task force commander. And one of the things is, is I tried to revamp our canine unit here because I'm super passionate about it. And I think it's, it's a great service to the community. Um, you've done, brought that to the task force mm-hmm. in the form of, I want to make sure I get a currency dog. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So I had never heard of that before you brought it to me and you're mm-hmm. like, Hey Adam, I kind of want to try this thing. We're not sure. Um, there's only, there's two others on the entire West coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we want to be the third. Mm-hmm. Uh, just tell me a little bit about that. And uh, it's, I think the community is going to get a kick out of the name of the dog that you guys chose. Yeah. So we named the dog cash, which I think <laughs> is appropriate. Absolutely. Uh, he's German short haired pointer. Uh, we got him in San Francisco from a breeder down there. Um, our handler uh, also runs a narcotics dog, and I approached him with the idea and said, hey, I'd like to try this currency dog. And he's like, I'm all about it. Let's do it. And so we put our feelers out, started looking for a dog, and we found the one that we wanted and went down to San Francisco, surveyed it. We purchased it, brought it home, uh, trained it up, and we recently just found uh, $10,000 behind a light switch uh, in a wall. So uh, we're, we're looking forward to using it more and more down the road. Uh, word's going to get out, and I think kind of traveling around the state 
using the dog a lot. So that is, that is Looking so, forward I to love it. trying new things like that. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's awesome. going to be super successful mm-hmm. and get used a lot. And you gave a really good example is because you guys are dealing with, um, you, you know, we come from the world of canine and I always said human beings, when they want to hide, they can get in some really good mm-hmm. hiding spots, yep. but then you, money, they can hide that anywhere. And sometimes yep. we need the help of, yeah. of a dog. Yeah. So it's already working. He's already it, had a find. It is. He's already had a find. And I think there's going to be a lot more down the road for him. So we're excited about it. Awesome. Yep. Well, hey, Jay, thank you for being here. Congrats is not a new spot so much anymore, but uh, I really appreciate the work you're doing. Um, I appreciate your service both to the city of Everett and our country in the form of uh, two military branches. So thank you for that. And thank you for just your willingness kind of in this day and age in public safety where it's not always comfortable to be mm-hmm. in public safety, but you're like, no, nope, I'll take this on. I'm ready to go. So thank you for that. And thank, thank you for you. being here today. Yeah. Thank you. And I appreciate your support from the sheriff's office. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks again. Thanks.